Ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of The Essential 11, brought to you by Acton Academy Placer and Acton Academy. Today's guest is a friend of mine, Kurt Steinhorst. Uh, Kurt and I have known each other now for, for quite a few years. He's the best-selling author of Can I Have Your Attention? Inspiring Better Work Habits, Focusing Your Team, and Getting Stuff Done in the Constantly Connected Workplace. He's a regular uh, Forbes contributor on leadership strategy. He's a phenomenal speaker, which is how he and I got connected and uh, takes his company FocusWise. It's a consultancy that helps equip organizations to overcome distinct challenges of, of a constantly connected workplace. So uh, we talk a lot about connection and what that means and his take on social media and, and uh, all kinds of good stuff here in this episode. So enjoy Mr. Kurt Steinhorst brother it is great to not just talk to you man it's good to see you too i like this yeah. yeah it's so great seeing you matt we don't get to connect nearly often enough we definitely do not man we've known each other now for um for four or five years and uh both of us working with uh with the center for generational kinetics out in austin so usually that was kind of our you know we'd we'd chat on our calls but then um get together you know once a year and spend a couple of days together in texas but uh haven't gotten to do that this year too so yeah, and then crossways somewhere in the air. And the crossways somewhere in the <laughs> yeah. air and high five, yeah, high five yeah. from the plane, man. Yeah, you're one of the few people that, that definitely gets the, um, that travel life, man. So, uh, but I want to give your, your kind of origin story before we jump into these questions. And, you know, I can, I can tell people all day that I've seen you as a, you're a phenomenal speaker and, and great hubby, great dad. I mean, I can give people all that stuff and you're I mean, a ridiculously intelligent guy, but I want people to know um, kind of what else you're doing outside of the generational stuff. Talk about your company a little bit and stuff too. Give people some context. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll start. My origin story starts yeah, when I was man. a kid Yeah, and I grew up to uh, amazing parents, very supportive, loving environment in a suburb of Dallas. And when I was in middle school, I think it's kind of the first major inflection point. I was sure I was going to be a professional athlete. Unfortunately, I peaked in eighth grade. Uh, it was not a good peak <laughs> so either. Close, was, dude. I so know, close. I know. But <laughs> um, I did have two teachers that approached me and said, you should do speech and debate. And, and I said, that's um, not my plan, but I'll give it a try. And when I was in seventh grade, I won the citywide tournament against mostly, mostly eighth graders in debate. And so it was this um, really I was young and realized just how fascinated I was by rhetoric and logic and how do we think about and communicate ideas. And so um, that's really this huge catalyst that built a lot of my career and even what I'm doing now. The other aspect of my childhood is that when I was a kid, I was diagnosed with ADD. Yep. And so, you know, I was the kid that was like, Kurt, sit still, Kurt, pay attention, Kurt, stop talking. You're, and, which like, you, and you are still that, that same. That's, that's right. Same Little did they sure. know. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and still, I mean, if I'm in a meeting, I tell people at the beginning of meetings, I'm like, guys, I can either not pay attention and sit still, or I can pay attention and move around here. So that's yeah, just how right, I am. Right. Um, but, you know, so on the other side, I was really competitive. I had a sister who was the model. It's just, I was entirely unreasonable older sister. Yeah. It was, you know, top in our graduation class. Her graduation class was the largest in the nation. She was very top there, athlete, like just really everything. And so I was competitive with her. And so I, yeah. I, uh, I started to learn workarounds around distraction and things like that, even then. And, um, what happens is when I go through school, I was in a leadership position. I was president of my class at Texas A&M university, had a chance to speak, jumped out of school, um, 
planned on either being a lawyer or a pastor. That was yeah. the goal originally. Yeah. And same same. Ended, yeah, exactly. So where, where do you, what do you do if you like rhetoric? Um, what ends up happening is I jump into this weird world of, of uh, talent management and the speaking world where I was actually first an agent then uh, the in-house uh, a coach and a speechwriter. Yep. So that's what I started doing. I had a chance to work with people at a really big platform on writing and coaching them on speaking. And then I, 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 I launched my own business to do that, a small communications consultancy uh, designed to help people um, communicate their ideas and organizations communicate. And this is really the first moment for me that the rest of my story that has, you know, the way that my journey has unfolded yeah. really came clear, which is I was getting the chance to work with some of the most, like fulfilling my dreams, like yep. working. I'll never forget. I, I won't say their name because they're an NFL hall of famer and yep. my grandfather's hero. Um, and I get an email to, it was a third email. And he said, I'm still just wanting to hear when the speech that you're working on with me is going to be ready. And it was this moment that I realized in no uncertain terms, whatever things in the past I'd been able to do, which really was, I, I can digest ideas pretty quickly, work in sure. short sprints and, and not do as much as I should. Um, it wasn't working. The number of messages coming at me, the, uh, all the things of starting my own business as an entrepreneur from creating an LLC, opening a checkbook flirting with my now wife on Gmail, yeah. <laughs> you know, like all this stuff. And it's like, I wasn't getting the work done. And so that's really when I started to do a deep dive and interview and research and study, uh, use myself as a test kitchen for um, how do we overcome distraction? Yeah. What does it even mean to focus? And, um, and, and what are real solutions? Because so many of the solutions that I had were really great for a future version of me. Right. But didn't seem to solve the problem of me wanting to understand who the Dallas Cowboys were going to draft in the upcoming NFL draft. Right. <laughs> it just didn't right. solve that problem. You know what, man? And I love the fact that you that you looked at from that, too. So, I mean, we, we you're essentially saying you're in this position that by all accounts, a lot of, of young people and adults would look at that and go, oh, my gosh, what an amazing like you obviously you had made it. You're saying and I know some of the I know who you're talking about um, here with with this story. And I know many of the people that you have worked with from athletes to, um, you know, people in the entertainment industry. Right. And I know a lot of those people that you've worked with. You've worked with some phenomenal names. And by all accounts you're in that position and people are going to go, dude, you've made it like you've got it figured out and you still had the self-awareness to go, look, I'm, I'm not, I'm not doing it exactly what it is that I, I need to be doing. You still had that. You weren't resting on your laurels. You're like, no, I, I can get better on this. Yeah. Yeah. There, you know, there's very few things more devastating than having to look at yourself in the mirror and say hmm. who I, I, I'm not achieving um, what I have the potential to achieve and it's no one else's fault. Yeah. Yep. You know, uh, and uh, so, I love that, man. And so we're, t you know, everything we talk about with, with Acton Academy, and I know you're familiar, you know, through our conversations and, and, um, you know, you're out near some of the Actons out there too. We talk about the hero's journey, right? And there's this whole archetype of the hero's journey. And, you know, you were, um, I'm so thankful for that teacher in middle school who said, man, you should try this. Like you should give that a shot because then you realize it unlocks something in you that you are just designed to do. I mean, you have got this unique yeah. skill, right? You've got this unique ability and you've obviously done a lot of good in the world because you've, you've continued to hone that. And, and I love that. But then part of that journey too, is that 
that part where you get to understand like there's personal responsibility matters. Um, you know, you don't have character without that personal responsibility, taking on, taking ownership of your own life. You can't change the world until you change your own world. Right. First. And and I love that you're, you know, that's one of the things that we talk about all the time, man. So I love that you had that realization. So yeah, Yeah. that's beautiful. So, so how do you, so talk about what you do with focus wise with your company and yeah, kind of, what do you, what do you do? Who are you working with and what kind of things are you helping them with? Yeah, so that started that journey to understand attention, distraction, yep. and focus. And um, where I in, ended up heading down this path is really the science of attention and how um, how are the decisions we make about what gets, keeps, captures, and avoids our attention shaping every aspect of life. Mm-hmm. Um, I would I would venture to say that in today's world, with so many inputs and so much information that attention is the most limited and valuable resource that we have. And um, we manage our health, we manage our time, we manage our brand. Right. Um, But very few people give any thought to the question of, am I an active participant in what's getting and keeping my attention? Like what occupies my attention? Oh, I have a choice. Like it doesn't have to be that. It can be something else. Right. And, you know, and even more um, where I saw this massive, massive challenge was, um, how how does this play out in organizations? Because attention is not just an individual self-help thing. Um, our attention is shaped by the people that are around us and the systems sure. that we're in. And what we're seeing happen in companies everywhere, organizations, is the, the reaction to increasing complexity, rising global competition, um, increasing speed of change is to create cultures that actually reward and facilitate distraction and confusion and overwhelm mm-hmm. and chaos. Mm-hmm. And, and, and really it's just to give up. And so the question is how do organizational leaders, how do they, how do they shift the equation to allow for the possibility of people to have um, like to have the, the, the right amount of work and the space that shapes what they work to be able to actually get focused work done. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. What what about uh and I know we talked about I remember talking about this a little bit as you were on the kind of the precipice of of really kind of building this brand and, and having things kind of take off. I remember ha- uh being in a car with you in in Austin um and we were kind of chatting about how this looks in uh for for the younger audience too for the, you know, kind of in education and kind of developing um, yeah. at, for our youth too. What are what are kind of your thoughts on that? Because we are when I mean, we're in this attention economy and we're having all of these leaders that are struggling with it. But the most targeted and the most you know are, are the the youngest yeah. who naturally are going to have the lowest attention spans, anyways, right? So like, how do we yes. how do we bring this into a, a you know something for the younger population? Yeah. Well, the first thing that I would say is is that um, there's all sorts of studies around this. The the most famous one would be the the uh, marshmallow study. Stamp, yeah, man, marshmallow yeah. test for sure. Yeah, and and what's interesting is that's really about the ability to delay gratification, right? Right. But, but the way that kids delayed gratification is they controlled their attention. Mm-hmm. They they move their attention away from something active towards or away from the marshmallow towards something else, right? right. And so I I would just start by saying. That, that as kids, your ability to start taking an active role in your own attention is paramount to your future success. Yeah. Yep. You know, and, yep. and then we go from there. We say, so let's just make it really clear that it's not that technology is bad. Right. Uh, I, I'm not anti-technology. 
but we do have to understand in an economy where, um, when we say attention economy, what we mean is this, there's all the information in the world available, but um, what you pay attention to is the measure of what you value and what you value you pay for. So companies around the world know if they can get your attention and keep your attention and direct your attention, they have your wallet, they have your, your, your view of the world. They have the trajectory of your career, your loyalty. And so you just have to understand that, that there are adversarial interests. Um, your social media platforms, their interest is not for your well-being. It's for your attention. Mm-hmm. And, and so when we jump into digital channels, number one, we're shrinking our ability to focus, meaning we, we need more stimulation. And number two, even more devastating is that we're giving over control of what we put our attention on. Like it's literally, tell me what I should pay attention to. Oh, that's what this person said. Oh, that's what um, YouTube, tell, tell me what to watch on YouTube. Right. The, there are intentional decisions being made on your behalf, but you aren't making them. That's exactly it. And that's it. That just falls into now. Tell me what to think, whether we know yes. it or not. I mean, that that's, exactly. that's exactly where it ends up is tell me what to think. Tell me who I can trust. Tell me what it is I can believe, what it is I cannot believe. Tell me what it is I'm allowed to say. Tell me what it is I'm not allowed to say. Right. And we're seeing right. that play out. Um, you know, we did a, a great event last year with, um, uh, the no safe spaces crew, right? So we worked with Prager and Corolla and helped produce that, yeah. that movie, no safe spaces, but that's essentially what's going on is just talking. We had Dave Rubin, um, come hang out for a day. And, and that's what we were talking about. I mean, the reality is they're like, how did we get so far down this rabbit hole of, we can't venture outside what we think we're supposed to believe? Like, how do we, and this is really part of the way we went down that rabbit hole. Um, that's right. you know, it kind of took us down that hole. So now we don't feel like we have permission to think for ourselves um we'll wait right. for somebody else That's yeah scary. and actually yeah and uh, you know there are some um hidden components of how human attention is wired in the brain and, yeah. and fundamentally we're our attention is wired for curiosity mm. and for exploration like it's the base this is what's so funny about people saying i need to get focused i need to yeah. i need to learn how to turn off the curiosity button you know what i mean and and really attention is made for you to, to want to learn new things. This is how we get smarter. We explore uncharted territory. We think about things we hadn't thought about. This is what we're wired to do. And yep. when what happens on a digital platform is it becomes constrained into, into what is perceived as infinite because there's infinite stuff out there, but it right. actually is like, it's, it's barriered to the point that we're not actually learning and growing and being curious and expanding. We're just, consuming and reaffirming, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a never ending one lane road as opposed to, you know, a a giant highway where you can go in a number of different directions, wherever the curiosity is leading you. Yes. Yeah. It's fascinating. And, you know, I'll say one more thing about this and then (laughs) we can go any direction you want, obviously. But um, I think the other thing that is hidden about technology that we just have to be aware of is, um, a philosopher named Heidegger says that uh, technology is bringing all things into assured availability. Here's the translation. Um, we're wired. We're, we're wired to be limited by the space that we are in the, the people that we are surrounding ourselves with mm-hmm. at the moment we're there. And what happens is when technology brings everything from all over the world, right to our front doorstep, and it creates the illusion that we're, we are to care about things. Focus requires clarity. Mm-hmm. It makes it seem like things that we have no capacity to change or impact is what most needs our attention. 
And so what, mm. we're, what happens is it makes everything locally, like in my home, in my, with my friends, at my school, unimportant. Like what matters is I need to yell about something that happened in politics around the world. I need to weep over a tragedy from someone who I've never heard of that now makes me think that this is common. Like, mm -hmm. so it's not that we don't want to benefit from technology, but we have to realize that it's a distortion of what is supposed to bound what we're actually giving our attention to, what actually matters to us. So good. And so then in order to, because we do have a lot of the, young, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of my students and a lot of students that I work with around the world, you know, they have this and, you know, and, and, you know, in our work kind of with generations, we've got this kind of global minded mission minded sort of deal, right. That we've gotten into, yeah. but um, you know, I think, and, and obviously feel free to disagree, but I mean, I think that really what you just said kind of pinpoints the fact that again, in order to really truly be able to actually go out and do something that's going to change the trajectory of the course of the world, you have got to be able to spend the majority of the time focused inward. You've got to keep that majority of the time focusing on fixing yourself, fixing what's local, fixing what's real, tangible right here yes. around you. And that's going to be the greatest way to affect that change. Yeah. 100%. Like they, they, we have to realize that no one changes the world by thinking globally and ignoring yep. the actual places they occupy, people that they're around, so, um, yeah. subjects that tackle that, like that they feel the pain of. I, I mean, yep. I, I truly think that we need to do a better job of telling people this is, I talk about controversial, you actually don't need to care about that. Like you don't, yeah. oh, that, that tragedy occurred in 12 states away. Mm -hmm. um, you know what? You don't need to care. Yep. You don't need to feel bad because you never were supposed to know about it. On the other hand, what you do need to care about is what happened to the person down your street right. that you should be getting to know. And right. so th it's just let's right. reorient. That's it's right. not, not right. the reduction of care. It's yeah. the, it's the, um, focus of care towards where you actually can impact towards, and create change. Towards where it makes sense. Absolutely. Because there will always be something else to worry about. Uh, and right. Especially as you expand globally, you'll never, you'll have a never ending cycle of things to worry about. So yeah, right. I love, right. I love that, man. I think it's a great perspective. And part of what we've tried to do, um, especially for our, you know, we've done it for, we do that with all of our, all of our students, but especially for our launch patterns, which is what we call high school is we have them break their, their daily schedule down into 20 minute blocks. And um, figure out like if you if you need that escape time, if you want the the video game time or whatever that looks like, where it's something that you're not necessarily moving towards whatever your stated goals are for yourself. Great, schedule it in, schedule yeah. it in, and then give it all the attention in the world right there. Set an alarm so you don't get down the rabbit hole of like, wait a second, I thought I was here 20 minutes, but I've been here three hours. Like set your timer and then and then get back at it, you know, and to, to try yeah. to avoid that. So yeah, no, I, I got think my little awesome. Pomodoro timer right here for yes. that. Yes, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man, super cool. So. Um, I want to jump into uh, to the questions. And again, so no right or wrong on these. Some of them are super easy and fun. Some of them are, um, you know, a, a little more in depth, but wherever you want to go with them, man. And the first one is super, super easy. So it's just as you've come along in your journey, as you're continuing to move forward, both in your company, again, as a, as a dad, as a husband, uh, who are one or two people that you may look to? And these could be people that you actually physically know. Um, could be people that, you know, maybe it's characters in a movie, somebody in a book. Um, but who are people you look to for, for inspiration um, that you would maybe say like, ah, these guys have been kind of mentors to me along the way? Yeah, great, great question. I, you know, the truth is I'm the beneficiary of a number of mentors at yeah. really every stage of my career and life. Yep. Um, I, I can say someone very recently, well, actually he's been around for nearly a decade, decade now. And uh, he's, He's honestly the person that told me I needed to move from a personal journey on focus and distraction to make it my career. Mm. 
Uh, his name's Lucas Noggle. And uh, what Lucas has done for me is um, he is always reorienting the way I'm thinking about things. He's challenging fundamental yep. things about the way I'm thinking about things. And so I, I, I am particularly drawn towards people that I consider um, studiers of what it really means to be human. Yeah. Um, that they, they're, they're thinking on the experience as well as living in it. Yep. And I've always wanted to be someone who was, you talked about looking inward. Yep. Um, who's, um, way of viewing the world and experiencing life leads them towards um, a real awareness of what's happening. And, mm -hmm. and really what that does more than anything is it means that you have more power over where you're going and you also have more compassion over where other people are. Sure. Sure. I, I think that's beautiful. I think hum a big part of, um, you know, uh, focusing on human behavior and understanding that I know, you know, specifically I can obviously talk from an educational standpoint people say, Oh man, you know, you really, you're thinking outside of the box. And I'm going, I don't think, I, I don't think I'm an outside the box thinker. I think the one superpower that I may have is that I pay attention, um, more than other people. And I pay attention to human behaviors and I pay attention to where, you know, things are going, how do people respond to certain things? How do I, how can I impart motivation and discipline for, for a young human being? And, and where is the world going where I can connect those, you know, connect those two. It's, it's that ability to pay attention that I think makes um, a huge difference. And, and um, it sounds like Lucas is, is uh, kind of on that same boat too. Yeah, that's right. And, and you know, I, I should say I picked Lucas in part because if you look at his career path, it's been totally abnormal. Yeah. And uh, it's he, his, he's a consultant in the purest sense, but really he's the guy that a large network of people that I know that are, that have done really incredible things yeah. all call when they are, when they feel a little bit, of a little bit stuck. Yeah. And so it's like, I yeah. just, I want to, I, I just really respect someone whose experiences are so varied that they have the wisdom to be able to speak into so many different circumstances and create clarity for others. Very cool. Very cool. That's awesome. So second question that they have is really around self-confidence. And so, um, you know, as somebody that, that gets on, gets on stage and, and, you know, I know I've seen you speak to, to, I mean, I don't even know how many thousands of people you've spoken to at this point. And, um, talk about the process of developing self-confidence. Do you feel like, you know, you talk about growing up with this sister that's a, you know, was a, this ultra high achiever was, um, was that an easy thing to follow? Were you somebody that was like, I'm kind of naturally confident in who I am anyways. And, and that was an easy thing. Or was that something you kind of worked on developing confidence over time? Where do you think that came from uh, for you? Is that something you still work to develop? Just kind of your thoughts around self-confidence for, for your own journey. Yeah. Um, Cause we know self-confidence is just like a foundational and, and imperative yep. when it comes to any type of success. Yep. Um, you know, there's a, there's several variables here. Number one is from a very, very young age, I was an extrovert and I was, yeah. uh, you know, I was the youngest. And so I, I, I kind of have always had a level of self-confidence and yeah. was social. Um, and you know, I also, as a result of that was able to be put on stages pretty early, uh, in school plays and stuff like that. So I would get nervous and stuff, but there was a level of like, I've, you know, I've got this. I got so, this. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I also think it's impossible to go very far with my confidence without looking and seeing the environment that I grew up in, which is one that, you know, my parents, yeah. didn't, um, they loved me in a way that, uh, you know, demanded 
me be um, the best version of me, yeah. but uh, I didn't have the the trauma and the pain yep. um, that so many people have, which, you know, I, I had someone very, I listened to on a podcast that said, um, the most important part about parenting is do you delight in your kids? And I, I was delighted in. And That's so awesome. I think that builds from there. And then, you know, the truth is like, Look, I, I also had reasons to be to be insecure and to and I still struggle with this. Like this is no one in, in doesn't. It, there's no one that's removed from this. Yeah. You know, from I red hair. I was short. So what does that look like for you now? I mean, what is there anything that you're still kind of like get anxiety around something that there's still kind of an insecurity around even now? Yeah, you know. So I'll, I'll say one I've been wrestling with uh, lately. I, I can give you a hundred, really. Um, but I realized that um, because I started having a platform pretty young. Yeah. Uh, I, I I'll never forget. I, I had one event pretty early on that was for a particular type of audience. <laughs> uh, in fact, Jason, one time a mutual friend of ours and yep. person that founded the center said. Um, if you give the best speech that anyone's ever heard, 95% of the audience will love you and 5% will say, I should be up there instead of you. For sure. Uh, so this was a crowd with a lot more of those. Yeah. And they were older. <laughs> a lot more than 5%. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I, you know, so, someone said something about me being young and, and it just stuck with me. And so I've, I've, sh I've hid my personal vulnerability and personal journey in my, um, in the way I sometimes speak and think and i yeah. lean heavily on research and data and like ob objective ob observation yeah and like talk above it and so it's a way i've shielded like i i i've it's become more and more clear to me that it's it's my journey and um being vulnerable with my struggles being a co-labor that actually has far more power but yeah. i've been insecure about it so i've had to wrestle with that yeah that's interesting man that uh, makes it it makes a whole lot of um makes a whole lot of sense and i absolutely remember jason um saying that too and i've definitely had some of those um and i think in a way i must so I, yeah i don't know okay. listening to you say that too and saying okay well now i'm gonna go i'm gonna lean more on the uh you know the the credibility side i'm gonna go to data i'm gonna go to statistics so that i can show you know, that I do know what I'm talking about. It makes absolute sense. And I definitely, I had, I have one client in particular that very much stands out that had a whole bunch of those in the audience. And, um, I think it had to be a level of insecurity that came out from me there too. Cause I was like, okay, well then since that's the way it's going to be, I'm going to stand up here and just argue with you, um, essentially from the stage about why I'm right. And you're wrong too. And, and <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and, and there was definitely an element of that too. So, um, I, I love that, man. I think that's good. So, the the next question kind of gets out of the the self-confidence, self-awareness, insecurity kind of deal, and it goes to any kind of particular physical discipline. So it's essentially a question around the importance of health and nutrition, and does that play into your life? And you and I have had some interesting conversations around this too, and kind of going out, and, I, and a lot of times specifically around, hey, how can we stay alive uh, when we're living in airports? Um, but so what is, what is kind of the, the health and fitness journey look like for Kurt? Yeah. And you know, this is just where I'm really, really want to be honest. When I got married, my wife and I, she ran marathons and yeah. I was running a lot more. We didn't have kids. We, uh, you know, I wasn't yep. traveling quite as much. And, and so, you know, the, the, without obligation version of me and then the version of me with three kids that are five and under has has been it's been a different battle so used to 
my fitness, there was, it was just an assumption that every day was going to have an extended workout. Yeah. Um, now what I do is I, I, I do a couple things. Number one is I want to hit my Apple watch activity yep. thing daily, but then I try to make sure that it's, I, I've lowered the goal of needing to be a hyper athlete and move the goal towards being someone who's in motion and moving. Yeah. And so I, I have a standing yep. desk. I, during conference calls, will do um, like squats and push-ups and lunges and things like that. And so yeah. I've just moved it to where, you know, I'll get off from work net today and my kids are going to want to play. And so I'll probably do a a wagon jogging ride. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that's how I, that's how I do it. Um, from a, uh, eating standpoint, you know, generally I eat a little more paleo. Um, and I seasonally do that really well and seasonally like ice cream. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Especially when you got birthday party. I know you just had a birthday party. Somebody yeah. did uh, there recently. Yeah. And I remember you posting something, you went back to kind of you being social. You're saying you didn't do well with small birthday parties. Like you wanted more and more people. So, but somebody who, who, who just had a birthday. It was, it was my birthday. Oh, that's right. My, it was your birthday. Yeah. That's right. Happy belated, man. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Thank but you. I know I talked to you on that day too, but uh, yeah, mm-hmm. no, that's, that's awesome. No, good for you. It's, it's, I was talking to a gentleman by the name of Steve Maxwell, who's been kind of in the health and fitness industry for a long time. And, um, and I remember reading some articles by him just years and years ago. And I heard him a couple of times. He was some of the, um, he's been on Rogan's podcast a few times and mm-hmm. um, the guy's just been around the block you know, quite a bit. And I remember talking with him and he was one of the first ones to say, look, at some point you're going to transition over from, I want to be this phenomenal athlete. And sometimes you have a sports related goal, or sometimes you don't, you're going to transition away from that. And you're just going to want the things that you realize you start to lose as you get older. You're going to want the flexibility. You're going to want the mobility. (laughs) You're going to want to just, um, you know, you're going to want to get up in the morning and feel okay, not be in danger of falling down, right? Like be relatively lean and healthy and not get sick. Um, you know, your focus kind of changes. And so when that happens, um, he says a lot of times we end up taking a smarter approach to, to training anyways, and not beat ourselves up a little bit. And, um, I think a lot of times kids does that for us. You know, I mean, it really does. 100%. And they do a really good job of that. They, yeah. Somebody one time uh, actually said to a friend of mine, yeah, I said, how have you lost so much weight? You did so well. And he said, I had a, I had someone tell me or ask me how much I love my family. And he said, I love my family. He said, then why are you robbing them of years? Oh, there you go. So there's uh, some that's for the you. motivation. Yeah. yeah. That's the motivation. No, I love that, man. That's good stuff. So Question number five is around um, financial advice, and that's a pretty open-ended question that they they came up with. And um, you know, at Acton, any of the Acton academies, we're very big on on financial awareness. We want people to learn how to under you know take a look at at, at financials and and take a look at an asset and liability sheet and take a look at a P and L. And um, you know, they they gain this knowledge by operating their own businesses from a very early age, and um, you know, just start just start to understand money, which I think a lot of times is just kind of eschewed in in the traditional setting. So, um, you got a young person coming out of high school, 18, 19, 20, maybe as the young Kurt. What do you wish you knew about money at that age? And and you know, any kind of um, one or two things that kind of pop out to you, like, hey, if you're 18, 19, man, think about this from a financial perspective. Yeah. So this is another area that I was just uniquely lucky to be um, a product of. Like I, yeah. we, we had an allowance at a very young age. I had a checking account. Um, my parents actually gave us a credit card when I, I had a trip to Europe when I was in high school. Um, but it was all with the understanding of, of like 
financial discipline yeah. and like saving. And, you know, my parents never bought what they didn't, didn't like, we never, if the credit card was cause it was easier than having a checkbook or cash, but it was paid off in full. Got it. And so yep. I just, I mean, my whole growing up, it was a, it, there was an, there was a bent towards an assumption of how do I save? Yeah. Um, how do I spend less, not spend more? How do I not waste? And it's impossible for me to overstate the value of that because yeah. the, you know, spending, um, it, it, the more we spend, <laughs> the more we want to spend, right? Not just that, but it, it actually locks us down and limits our options. So yep. like when a market town turns, like when the pandemic hits and, yep. um, floor drops out from under lots of industries. It's certainly nice that, that, um, I wasn't living like things were only going to get better. And right. so, yeah, that's, that's, I, I, I just can't overstate that an, an eye towards that is freeing. Now I think there's a level by which you can be miserly and like you can be someone who's doing it in a way that actually is evidence of greed sure. because you're so worried and, and sure. I, but on the other hand I, I think financial responsibility is freedom yep i think it absolutely is and i know you're getting to work with uh with dave ramsey and his organization quite a bit too yeah. and, and i know you know i know you're living um what you're preaching too and i and there was a quote that hit me a long time ago that you know i wasn't i didn't grow up in a household that we did a lot of we didn't have a lot of conversations around around money and um, especially when the parents split and things are all weird with that. We just didn't have that. So I had to kind of figure out a lot of these things um, on my own, but there was something that hit me early on in, in college and I read a book and one of the quotes in the book said, you know, the things that you own end up owning you. And that's what I always took it to mean is that, look, the more you have, like, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but you're going to have a responsibility towards that. You're going to have to take care yeah. of that. It's going to be a time thing as well as a money thing. Right. And so just to be that's aware right. of those kind of things and put yourself in a position where it doesn't end up um, being the end all be all. No, I love that. Yeah. And, um, and I'll say one more thing about this. Yeah. I think there's another that like one of the m most important ways I think you can be better financially is how do you make sure you do think of yourself as an owner? Yeah. Especially if you're 18, 19, yep. um, it's really easy to think money's infinite because it, or like, it's not my money. Right. And so like, just know that it's at some point going to be your money and those habits are going to be changing now. So whatever you can do to say, Hey, can I have a set budget? Um, yeah. that, that like, and I get some of the benefit or I get some of the less, like try to find ways to say, I have a domain of responsibility rather than I'm just like, um, like I'm handed or therefore I don't feel like any of it's mine. You know what yeah, I mean? exactly. No, I think that's, I think that's beautiful. My, my, um, you know, my girls, like I just, I was telling you offline, we recently moved out to this, this little ranch out here and they've been wanting uh, horses for, for quite some time. Right. And so I was like, cool, that's great. Well, you guys are going to run your businesses and you're going to save your money. And then you're going to buy the horses if you, if you want horses. Right. So yeah. yep. they've been working on it for a few years and they got their money together and they were, they were ready to go. So I made sure we had a house so we can put some horses. So it was yeah. great. And they were super proud of that. They bought their horses, you know, they've been out there working, set their alarm to get up early and they're mucking stalls and they're <laughs> right. And taking on the responsibility of it. And it's rad. And there's so much uh, awesome. pride that goes into having them do that. And then, you know, inevitably there's some more expenses that come along with the horses and things that you want to get and your saddles and your, I'm learning all the terminology for all the other stuff, um, as well. But now they just kind of have it in their heads like, Oh, cool. That make sure, make sure you take it out of our account, man. We're going to, we got this, we're going to pay for it. I'm like, cool. At some point, you know, that money does run out though. You didn't just get yeah. an infinite amount of money. Um, <laughs> how are we going to make some more, you know, at this point, then it was like, Oh yeah, gosh. Okay. Yeah. We didn't just buy 
you know, the horses, we've got this long-term investment. We're going to have to keep bringing money in in order to take care of them. Yes. But it was, you know, I'd rather have them get the realization at nine and seven than 29 That's and right. 27. That's the perfect time. That's right. You know? That's right. Um, so this one's, this question's around hard work and really kind of from an employer standpoint too. So you've got some people that, that work for you now. And so if you had a young person coming out of college and they were coming to work for you, what is it that you're wanting to see from them? And, you know, part of this is the, the genesis of this is understanding, you know, we talk with our kids all the time, the, the, the degree and where you went to school and all that. It's not playing out to be the end all be all. And this is guaranteeing you if you went, you know, you went to Texas A&M and you did, then man, you are guaranteed job for life. You are all set. Like it just doesn't work out yeah. like that anymore. So what do you want to see from, from that young person coming to work for you? Yeah, great question. Um, a few things. First one is I, I want to see someone who is who's able to manage their work in life, mm. meaning they're just there. There's a level of structure. Uh, there's a level of like, hey, when I mean, this is really <laughs> this is probably the like simplest, most important one is when I ask you something or when you ask me something, you have a way of accounting for that so that it's not me having to ask you or you ask me the same thing in a row. Like, yep. I don't, your to-do list, like your system for accounting for what needs to be done. Yep. That's like number one. The big deal. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, number two would be an, an attitude of learning. And, uh, I, I, like, I, I would just say an emotional maturity that can actually, that can actually allow for someone who's your advocate, which I would be your advocate right. to help you grow. Yep rather than a defensiveness that we have to work around. Yes. So, so that's, a, that's a big deal. And that's the entitlement that a lot of times we yeah. end up talking about, right? Um, yes, is, right? Is that is that very thing. I love that. And I love the way you put that. Look, I'm your advocate, so I'm going to help you grow. And and one of the things that Gary Vaynerchuk always says, right, is like people want to grow, but they they want to they want to get in shape, but they don't want to do the push-ups, right? And so that's what we're yeah. talking about as an employer. We're going to help you. We're going to make you do the push-ups. Um, but yeah. it's for your benefit. It's for everybody's benefit. So That's right. That's right. I like that. Um, Question number seven is around uh, discipline. And we've been talking, obviously, we've been talking about schedules and focus and the discipline of, of creating that. What is something that you have created discipline around in your own life that you do? And, and there may be a bunch of these things that you do now or that you had to do that you're like, man, I don't necessarily love to do this, but I really need to do this to get to where I want to go. What's something you create discipline around? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do a few quick ones. I, 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 um, I organize all of my morning the night before. Yeah. I pick out my clothes. Yep. I have my, I have everything set up. I mean, I have my coffee set up. I do like the whole thing, everything yeah. is set up. So it's just a lot less effort in the jump start. Yeah. That's number one. Um, number two, I, uh, I always start mornings when I work, I, I start with a vault, I call it a vault where I spend time processing and preparing. So I have a kind of a journal, I have a journaling routine. Yeah. Uh, that basically sets the intention for the day, reminds me what matters most, gets my mindset going. And I don't always want to do that. So I always have a, my internal clock says, you can do this in less than five minutes. I usually end up taking longer, but it's just like, I just need to like have a low barrier to entry. To get that start. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, those are the two biggest. And then the last one for me is, is I just, I, I create pretty high barriers around things that are in the wrong place. Meaning I have a list of stuff not related to work that I'll do when I am done with work. Yeah. So it's how do I allow the myself to be in a single cohesive sphere of work, life without the noise to come yep. in and say, but what about unrelated thing? What about unrelated totally. thing? Totally. Sure. Yeah. 
Yeah. And a lot of times that's kids, um, for sure. Yeah. So yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, totally get it. No, that's great. So question number eight, piece of common knowledge. And this is the one that, that people have to think about a lot of times. It's my favorite question on the entire list. What is a piece of common knowledge? So something everybody knows that this is the way life is. Everybody understands that this is a truth, but Kurt goes, yeah, I disagree though. Everybody mm. else thinks, yeah, man, this is the way life works. This is the way this works. But Kurt says, yeah, I, I mean, I, I kind of go against the grain. I'm kind of counterculture in this regard. Oh man, I'm contrarian on everything. But then you ask me that question and I'm, yeah. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a tough, it's a, it's really, it's probably the toughest one of the entire bunch. Yeah. I, well, you know, it, it often depends on, um, it often depends on where, what the, what the, what the common, what the crowd is. So yeah. I'm, I am countercultural on my uh, views on social media. I think that, yeah, it's true. Uh, I think that it is a very risky and dangerous tool. And, um, and so I think that there's, but I think there's a way to do it or there's a way to engage yeah. the world and not be bound by it. So I think yeah. my, I think that's been my political views. I, I, um, I follow the, uh, Nassim Taleb is a person. He says, um, in my home, I'm a communist in my, <laughs> in my, uh, my community or like my neighborhood, I'm a socialist in my, at my state, I'm a Republican. And at my, at the national level, I'm a libertarian. That's so <laughs> funny. Like, That's awesome. Yeah, so I just think in, it, you know, in general, I think that it is, um, we have it all backwards in how we think people should get help. That's, I think that's the simplest one. We, yeah. it, we have, we have disrupted the way that communities are meant to be the backbone. We are wired to be in a small cohesive community where, um, if someone is experiencing something, um, that needs help that the community supports them. Yeah. So it's not the job of people we don't know the larger and more obligated you are to someone you don't know, the less you're likely to do it, the more you're likely to be greedy and take advantage of it. And so how do you go about creating healthy, deep, rich community rather than living as this individual. That's like we're in this Beautiful. individual time. Yep. Beautiful. I think that's fantastic. And, 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 uh, far away from anything that we've had anybody say on the show too. And, and, um, I think you're right. And I think it's one of those things that's interesting because I think intuitively, emotionally, um, most people would agree with that, but you are absolutely right. It's a hundred percent counterculture to what we're being told we, we should be doing and what most people are actually doing. So, yeah. yeah. And, I, and actually, because I said like seven things, here's yeah. the, you took me around the external <laughs> processor. The last thing I say is true. Um, That's so funny. Here's, here's a simple one. Individuality doesn't occur when you are um, at the intersection of the various things that you are. You're only an individual inside the context of a shared community. Meaning Ooh. your individuality is expressed when people all agree. Like my personality is different when I'm with all my buddies. They know yep. I'm an individual. Right. It's not because I'm doing one. Like I'm not, we live in this age of like individuality. You're not an individual. You're just the guy who likes the Cowboys. If you're in some random group. Yeah. Yeah. So be a part of a deep community and that's where you become an individual. I love that, man. I love that. Have you read uh, one of our past guests, Jack Donovan? Have you read uh, the way of men? I haven't around building a tribe. I think it's a, it's a little, um, I mean, it's not necessarily entrepreneurial minded, but I think it really speaks very highly to, um, our need, especially for the male need to be in kind of this tribe and to find your individuality, very similar to what you just said, kind of finding your individuality, um, in the context of 
of this tribe of individuals. And it's a yeah. super well-written book and, and one of my favorites. So I think you might like that one. I just wrote it yeah. down. Super cool. Um, question number nine, this one's just kind of fun. What's something that you say you suck at? Um, and and the <laughs> whole context of this is that, you know, we keep, we bring in people every week um, to act in plaster that are, are doing all kinds of things. We have people on the podcast that are doing all kinds of things. And a lot of times the youth goes, man, I can't wait till I'm that age or what, because they have got it figured out. And we are always like, look, everybody has something they just feel like they're absolutely horrible at still. What is that for you? What's something, yeah. <laughs> man, I'm not good at this. Yeah. Um, someone shutting my mouth. No, you and me both brother. Yeah. Um, you know, I, a bunch of different things. I'm, I'm not good at resisting. Uh, my wife jokes like I, I don't need desserts in the house. Like yeah. I, I, if they're there and I'm, I mean, it's like, I know I'm supposed to stop eating. It's better to not eat late at night. I, if there's popcorn, I want popcorn it's a done at deal. 10 PM. Yeah. yeah. And I just, I've never been able to resist that. That's yeah. like a big one for me. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> Kimmy, Kimmy puts up with, a uh, she, she puts up with a lot. She helps you. She helps you quite a bit. <laughs> no doubt. She's a good, good lady. Um, the kind of end all be all quote for Kurt Steinhorst. So this is kind of the, um, you know, if, if, if everybody listening to this only remembered one thing that you said, or if this was, you know, you have a chance to, this is my favorite quote of all time or something on my headstone, it would say this, um, any particular, any particular quotes you would go with on that or specific ideas that, that you want to kind of uh, memorialize who you are and your legacy in this world. Yeah. Um, because I can't pick one, I'll, I'll say two. Um, one is, uh, there's a, it's actually from a Spanish philosopher and it says, tell me what you pay attention to and I will tell you who you are. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, the attention is the most limited precious resource that you have and that you can control it. And what you pay attention to will shape the trajectory of your life, the um, depth of your relationships, the, um, you know, the future that you actually play a role in unfolding, like it's so critical. So that's like core idea. But then I do want to just say what I say to my kids, my boys every night, and it's not as poetic, but I, I, I tell them every night, I say, you are, you are courageous, you are kind, and you are curious. And that's what it means to be a Steinhorst. And, and, um, my hope is that I reflect that because it's what I value and I value it in my boys. And the, you know, it might not be as, as poetic maybe, but it is definitely heroic. And I, and I definitely applaud that from a, uh, from a parenting point of view too, man. And, and just an educator point of view and um, speaking into the young heroes like that is it, those are the things that those are the things they'll remember. Um, you know, yeah. just the fact that you do that, they will remember that for the rest of their lives. And because they remember that they will, they will work to live up to that too. So that's a big deal. And you've been leading by example the whole time, man. So that's a big deal. So cool, man. So, and the very last question is anybody else that you think young people should be paying attention to. Um, and, and that can really be, you can take that, you know, any which way you can say, I mean, it can be your parents. It can be somebody in particular that you like to follow somebody in the media, somebody you take it any way you want, but anybody else you think they should be looking to. And the way I frame it is like anybody else you think would be great to have on this podcast to pour into youth because they would just, you know, provide those good messages. Yeah. Gosh, I just have so many, I have so many friends that I think are incredible fathers and thoughtful parents and, and, 
um, mothers, the same thing. There's, yeah. there's a large number of people that are worth listening to. Um, so where I go and, you know, I don't know that and this would be what everyone, I, it's just frankly who I was recently listening to is yeah. uh, Naval Ravikant oh, is a so Silicon Valley guy. And yep. I think his view of his economics and his view of the world is um, contrarian and critical. Yeah. And so, you know, anyone who promotes free speech and, um, <laughs> and, yep. and encourages thinking, I, gosh, go that way. Just, um, you know, stay away from the people that, that literally uh, create the constraints around what you're allowed to think. Allowed to think, allowed to say. Yeah, I could not, yep. could not agree more. And Naval, that's funny. It's the second podcast where we had Ben Greenfield on uh, a couple of days ago, and uh, Ben mentioned Naval too. And and I told <laughs> him Naval is one. That is, I've got a few episodes of podcasts that are saved. Um, Naval's episode on Joe Rogan was one of my favorite quite possibly my favorite podcast of all time. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. Yep. He's a brilliant guy. And you mentioned Asim Taleb um, a little bit earlier too. And I, and I think, um, you know, anti-fragile and some of his work, I mean, uh, some of the most Black phenomenal Swan, yeah. things. Yeah. It's amazing work. So speaking of books, uh, before we get off, man, tell everybody about your book, where to grab that and um, where to follow, follow you and what you got going on, man. Yeah. The book's called, can I have your attention? And mm. It's written for people that have ADD on really how do we manage our own attention? How do you lead other people better? Um, and you can get it anywhere. Amazon, probably the easiest. They sometimes discount it lower than the publisher does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable. Um, you know, um, depending on the audience, I'm on Instagram. I'm not as, it's more of a personal thing. LinkedIn is a little bit more business. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, But I'm happy to interact on either one. I'm not on TikTok. Cause I'm not that funny. That's probably, <laughs> I would dis I would disagree with that, but I fully, I fully understand that man. Um, yeah. And the book is, is phenomenal. Not only do I have it, it's on my phone. Um, and I had initially read it through Kindle, but we also have a copy that's here, uh, in the Acton Placer, uh, library yeah. as well too. So if anybody's local and it's on audible too, if people like out. the audio version. Yeah. Beautiful. Awesome, man. Well, hey, thank you for taking the time and uh, pouring into the youth, man. I very much appreciate it. I appreciate all you're doing and I appreciate your friendship and everything you're just doing for the world, man. Hey, man. Um, it's fun to watch you do the, do such incredible things and, and I'm really grateful for the time. I appreciate it, man. Life is good. There you go, guys. You can follow Kurt on uh, social media, even though you can tell he doesn't do that a whole lot. Sounds like LinkedIn is the place to go, but I definitely encourage you uh, check out his book. Can I have your attention? Uh, good, good read for parents. Good read for entrepreneurs. Um, good read for young adults as well. Uh, he did a phenomenal job on that. So check him out there and, uh, check him out on Forbes as well as he's providing a whole lot of value to all of us. So thank you again for listening. Appreciate you. Please feel free again, review, comment, share the episode, and we'll catch you guys next time.